buddy. Appreciate it. Oh, man, so good to be here. Um, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I truly have become a, a great friend with your pastor. And, uh, but before, before we get started today, I want to brag on some people right here at, at Hope Church, and that is all the volunteers that give their time to create an environment for people to meet with God. So can we just give it up for like all the volunteers? And I know a lot of you are already in here, so give it up for yourselves. There is no way as a pastor we can do what we do without the, the strength of great people coming around to take care of our children's ministry, to set up stages, to do music, to pray after service, to do the sound and the tech and all that kind of stuff. So I just, my heart is all for those people that will come and serve. And nothing says I love you like serving. Can you all agree with that? I mean, God has called us to serve, right? And so Mike didn't put me up to this, but I'm going to just put a little plug out there for you. If you're not serving in any area of this church, man, go ahead and strike up a conversation with someone about how you could maybe come serve in this church. Uh, Because I know this church needs your abilities, your talents, and your gifts. And Jesus said this. He said something really important. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. So you're following right along in his footsteps when you do that. So, um, and like I said, Mike did not put me up to that. Um, okay. I, uh, I want to share my testimony today and just let you get to know me a little bit. But I, I don't want to let you leave today without some ammo. Maybe y'all could use some ammo to fight the battle that we're in in, in this world. We are, we're in a battle. And, and so today, I'm going I'm to kind of segue from my, my testimony into giving you something you can leave with today that is absolute ammo for you to go out and live life and, and see God's success and God's health, God's peace in your life. Are y'all open to that? Okay, okay. Um, I uh, pray this over myself every Sunday before I start. It's written right here in the front of my Bible. And would you all just bow your heads and, and agree with me with this prayer? It's actually a scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And the Apostle Paul said this, and it's my prayer today. Lord, let my message and my preaching be very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speech today, I rely only on the power of your Holy Spirit. And I do this so we'll trust not in man's wisdom, but in the power of God. Can you all agree with that? All right. Okay. A little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, actually, Wisconsin first, but then Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, when I was about 10 years old. Um, my, my parents were a part of the Assemblies of God. I, I actually was, was born in Springfield, Missouri, so it does not get more assemblies than that. And um, and very thankful for that, that rich heritage uh, and, and focus on the Holy Spirit. And that's something that Pastor Mike and I have been so connected about, and that is the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I grew up in that environment of, of knowing this, yet I am the quintessential pastor's kid. Um, you could definitely say I am the poster child for pastor's kids. I absolutely ran away from everything that I was ever taught. And you know, one of the things, one of the things today, I just wanted to kind of bring some fresh hope to you. If you're struggling at all with, with a child that is kind of going away and, and is distant from God, and maybe, you know, we raised them that way, and they, they seem to be kind of struggling. If I'm a pastor, there's hope. I'm not kidding. If you knew the fullness of my story, and I'm not going to give it all to you today, um, 
It's absolutely a miracle. I thank God for a praying mother. I thank God for my heritage of growing up because I returned back to what I knew. And despite all my excuses for, you know, all all those hypocrites in that church, I, I, I can't be a part of that, and turning my back on God, turning my back on everything I knew, the Lord was so, so gracious to me. And in college, uh, I went to school on a soccer scholarship. I was a goalkeeper, and I played soccer. I'm very thankful for that. Um, that paid for all my school, and certainly appreciate that. Did not appreciate all the broken bones, uh, jaw, tibia, both wrists, ankles. This pinky is still really jacked up. Can you see that? It's kind of bent weird. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was in college that I really, really drifted away from God. And I'll never forget the day after I graduated, uh, it was several months after I graduated, I was on my porch, and I had been fired from my job. Uh, it was at a restaurant, a local restaurant, and the reason I was fired from that job is because I went in drunk, and uh, I, I had decided that that would be a good idea, you know, that might be fun. But when I went to the table and said, hi, my name is Derek, I'll be your waiter, can I take your drink order today? And then I wrote something down and I walked away. And then I came back to the same table and I said, hi, my name is Derek, I'll be your waiter, can I take your drink order today? When I did it the third time, no joke, when I did it the third time, they called the manager over and they said, there's something really wrong with this guy. He took my car keys, he threw me out the door, and that was it. And so, fresh college grad, ready to go and pursue my career, and the first thing that happens is I get fired from my job. Now, I honestly think that due to a praying mother, the Lord prevented me from getting gainful employment. And and I I literally believe this with all my heart because I hit absolute rock bottom. And two months later, I had no clue where my next meal was coming from. I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. I did not know anything. And I was too proud at this point to even call mom and dad. I hadn't spoken to them in years and and had pushed them aside and, and was on my own doing my own thing. And so... It was at this moment that I was absolutely broken. And I was on my porch, sitting down one day, worried about everything in life, worried about meals, worried about money, worried about you name it. And with a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand, I sat on my porch. Just picture this right now, okay? Too bad we don't have props. We're not supposed to bring those in here, are we? No, I just wanted you to know where I was at and where God met me. I called out to the Lord. And I just said, God, I have screwed up. I have no idea where I'm going. And I don't even know if you'll have me back. I don't blame you for never having me back. But if you will, I just need help. I need grace. I need mercy. I need to know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And it was at that moment that God, I found out, was actually there all along, that he never left. And the whisper of his voice was immediate in my heart. And and he just said, Derek, I love you. And, And there was just immediate tears, immediate sense of God's comfort, his grace. I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing, but I just sensed God's grace. And I heard in my heart two scriptures. Actually, two references, Matthew 6.33 and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I had to, I had to go back and get my Bible. Remember, I'm, I'm raised as a pastor's kid. I know the word, but I was like, I had to go look it up. And so I went and I got my Bible. I found it. Hadn't, hadn't opened my Bible in five years, but I found this Bible that was in a box. 
dusted it off and opened it up, and right in the front was a note from my father and said, son, this is a note from my daughter. Um, It was a note from my dad, and and it said, son, congratulations on your high school graduation. So proud of you, Matthew 6.33, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Of course, Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, the things that we need, food, clothes, money, stuff, will be what? Added unto us. It's a promise from God. You can trust that today. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Don't lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct our path. And I'm just telling you, the comfort of God came over me at that moment. It was at that moment that I made a decision, I'm going to go for God. I'm going to follow and serve this one that purchased life for me. Now, did I clean up right away? Did everything all of a sudden get fixed? No. I, I took a 26-hour drive straight through to California, which where my parents lived at the time. I had call, I actually called my mom that day. You know, and it's funny because as a kid who hasn't talked to his parents in several years, you're calling, trying to be all nonchalant, like, yeah, I meant, I meant to call, you know. And you're like, hey, mom, what's up? She just starts bawling. She goes, son, I've been like storming the house praying for you right now. What's going on? I'm like, mom, you know, I just had an encounter with God. I'm sorry for everything. And oh, come home, son. And so in my 78 Volkswagen Scirocco with no brakes, no brakes, had to use the emergency brake to stop. Yeah, living the prosperous life, you know what I'm saying? And so drove straight out there and, and, and went on a missions trip with my mom and dad. We ended up going to, at that time, this is 1991, so at that time the Berlin Wall had just come down, Germany had opened up, they had some contacts in East Germany of churches they had helped plant, and uh, we, we went and did some missions work there. Ended up at a church in Sweden at a conference, and it was there that the devil just really kind of like started getting a hold of my mind, you know, and I was like, I'm not sure if I really am going to do this. I'm not sure if I'm really going to serve God. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation or known someone where they, they've made a decision, but then they're just, there's a battle for their soul, you know, and it must have been pretty obvious because in this conference, there was about 5,000 people. I was on the second row. It's in Swedish, so I'm listening to translations on the, on the headphones, and I'm sitting there on the second row, and I'm probably, you know, like this, shoulders slumped and this battle and whatnot. Well, the pastor calls me out. And in, in English, he begins to prophesy over me. And the moment he did, it's like something just melted off of me. I, I sensed like there was a case of wax in my whole being, and it just kind of like melted off of me. And immediately I knew I was free. I'm free. I'm free from the past. I'm free from all that stuff. Now, those were the only words uttered in English that day. Everything else was in, in Swedish and in translation. And there was a young lady up in the back row of that conference who had gotten there late. She was on a missions trip. And uh, the headphone translation wasn't available for her back there. And, and this young lady was sad because she wasn't getting to partake of the message. There were some Swedish friends trying to kind of tell her what was going on. But it was that day that she was struggling with whether or not she should come to that church to go to Bible school. And the prophecy over me in English was a confirmation for her to do that. Well, here's the beautiful part of that story. I ended up marrying that girl. I ended up marrying her. And and we didn't even talk about that situation until much later because I I left, went home, I came back, I said, you know what, I'm going to go to Bible school 
and I'm going to go to Sweden. Actually, for me, that was really good because I needed to get out of the States, away from my friends, away from everything, and go somewhere and just be completely isolated. And so a wonderful Bible school there in England and and a one-year course that, that I went through. Met this girl while I was there. We got engaged. And then one day we were talking and we, were, we realized, oh, that was you. That was you that got called out. That was my confirmation to come here. And you kind of just see how God was orchestrating things and bringing things together. And it was, it was beautiful. It was awesome. So uh, left Bible school, went back, uh, married her in Fort Worth, Texas, and began to work for a ministry that she helped serve. And um, man, things were going good. Uh, my life was on a, now a track of, of serving God, and there seemed to be like success and peace and all that. Um, I was one of those kids, men, how many of you in, in the audience can relate, and you just wanted to always be married? Like since as, as a young child, not, not everyone falls in this category. Who's going to be honest with me today and say, yeah, I was the one that always wanted to be married. Thank you, thank you. And just from a young age. And so consequently, I never dated anyone just for the fun of it. Like it was always the one. You know, this one, and my roommates in college always got, they're like, um, Derek, is this the one? And two weeks later, oh, well, then that must be the one. But like now, a dream of my heart is fulfilled, and I did meet the one, okay? And, and we're on this track, we're married, uh, we found out um, later on that, that we were pregnant, and man, life was going good. We were asked to take over the Canadian office of this ministry, so we moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, and we were put in charge of, of this office together, and and. God was so faithful, so amazing. We were back for a trip. At this time, she's seven months pregnant, little girl, first baby to be born. We've been married almost a year. In fact, we were literally a couple days away from our our one-year anniversary. And we were at this conference in Fort Worth, Texas, in a 15-passenger van. I was with my boss. He was driving. I was in the front seat. His wife, who was also pregnant, was in the back seat with my wife. We had just dropped off a big group of other uh, folks that had served in the international offices for this ministry around the world, and we were going back to our hotel, and we were hit head-on by a drunk driver. And the van was catapulted up in the air, flipped upside down, and slid for about 150 feet. And my wife was killed that day, and I lost everything in one moment. Everyone else walked away from the crash. It was a miracle that anyone, anyone lived because we were both 55-55 head on. And it was in that moment that I realized where God was. It was at that moment that although he had shown himself faithful and he had brought me on a course of seeing a dream fulfilled and a marriage and a child I realized that I lived in a world that was fallen. And look, I give zero credit to God forever for steal, kill, and destroy. That, that's the enemy. The devil's here to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I'm coming that you might have life and life more abundantly. But somehow, some way, the devil managed to get in and destroy my dream, destroy my wife, destroy my child. And I was absolutely devastated. But as I looked at the back of the ambulance, I saw the man that hit us. Immediately in my heart, God whispered, Derek, you got to forgive. You got to forgive. I I don't know this guy, but in, in my heart, I just decided, okay, Lord, 
I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. And out loud, in the back of my, the police car I was in, I just declared, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. I'll never hold this against you for the rest of my life, and I trust that God can restore me. Now, I didn't know what restoration looked like. I mean, what does restoration look like when the one that you were supposed to marry is now dead and gone? How can you have hope? And I went through a period of loneliness and despair. Uh, I had a battle at that point. Although I had declared forgiveness, I had to work that out in my own life. And how many of y'all know sometimes you have to forgive by faith? In fact, you always have to forgive by faith, okay? The beautiful part of this restoration story is that two years later, I met my wife, Sarah. Lightning struck twice in my life. And absolute miracle of how we came together. We have two beautiful children. I've got a 16-year-old daughter. She'll be 17 on Halloween. She's a driver. Any dads out there have daughters that drive? Anyone? Please, can I consult with you after service, please? No, she's like the most responsible person in my family. She's doing really well. I have a little 7-year-old. She'll be 8 soon. And just so thankful for God's restoration. The entire point of me bringing this to you is that there are times in our lives when we wonder whether or not God is with us and whether or not he loves us. And I think these are the most two important things you can ever, ever meditate on. And if you need restoration in your life, and I don't care if it's from, you know, my story can top a lot of people's stories. You know, I can make someone feel better about, like, doing bad on a math test in college or something. Like, if you come complain to me and I kind of share my story, they're kind of like, ooh, I shouldn't be complaining. But it's not about that because the worst thing that's happened to you is the worst thing that's happened to you. And you've got to get over it. You've got to move on. That brings me to my first scripture, okay? I promise I'm going to give you some ammo today. Um, and I'm, by the way, I'm sorry my wife couldn't be here. She, you know, being a church planter, there's other duties that we have to do. And so she's back at River making sure some other stuff is taken care of. But she said to say hi and, uh, and that she loves you guys and loves what, what's happening on our street here. Philippians 3.13 became a life verse for me. And I want it to become a life verse for you if you're struggling with any area of your past. And it very simply says this. No, dear brothers and sisters, the Apostle Paul says... I have not achieved it. Let's stop right there for a second. If at the end of his life, writing from prison, Paul says, hey, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't achieved it. We can all confidently say we haven't arrived yet. Okay? This is the Apostle Paul talking. Two-thirds of the New Testament written by him. I mean, if anyone may have achieved it by then, certainly it might have been him, right? And yet he says, no, no, I haven't achieved it, but here's my goal in life. Here's the one thing I do, and I think it's very, very interesting that he says, this is the one thing I do. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. How many of us are bound by our past? But sometimes you don't know well, how do I look ahead? How do I move forward? How do, how do I break out of this? And the thing I love about this verse is that it is one thing intertwined. It's 
Forgetting and pressing, forgetting and pressing. And if you don't forget, you'll never press forward. If you never press forward, you'll never forget. You have to do them together. They're completely intertwined. Otherwise, it's the worst catch-22 you will ever experience in your life because you're so focused on forget, 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 and you never press into your future, or you, you try and press into your future, but you just can't forget the past. I mean, it, it just becomes this stuck-in-a-moment situation. But for me, this verse became a living reality. I've got to let the past go, and I've got to press into what God has for me. Now, here's the ammo I want to give you today, because it's like, what area of life should I press into? I mean, if I could tell you today that I want to, I'm going to give you the ammo of the most important thing that you should press into, and there's nothing more important. I mean, I'm sure pastors say this all the time, like, today's the most important message you'll ever hear, and then next Sunday, no, this is the most important message. I believe with all my heart that this is the one thing you need to press into, and it will answer everything else. See, I like simple. I like simple. This is the simple ammo I'm going to give you today that you can leave here knowing if I will press into this element, this area of God, everything else will be taken care of. You want to know what it is? Here we go. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. What time is it? Okay. Jesus says this. Now I'm giving you a new commandment, a new commandment, one new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you or the way that I have loved you. You should love each other. Here's, here's the deal. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. See, we're, we're looking for ways to prove to the world that Jesus is real, that he truly was the Son of God, that he came. I mean, we, we want to let people know and Jesus gives us this one commandment that the world can literally judge us in one area. I mean, I think in this verse, Jesus gave the world the right to judge believers, Christians, in one area by their love one for another. And you know, I want to I congratulate you guys. I mean, what I see here in this church and what I hear from Pastor Mike is, man, this is a church that really loves. They love one another. And, and because of that, the world is going to know that there is a God that loves them. There's no other way that they'll know that because you are the body of Christ in the earth. You're representing Jesus on this planet. You understand that, right? He's the head, we're the body. And, and, and Jesus himself said, the world will know you're my disciples, you're my followers by this one thing, by your love one for another. But I think sometimes we struggle ourselves with the love of God. So here's ammo number one. The, the one bullet right now I want to give you it's Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. And you need to go back to this often. I mean, verses in Scripture contain within them the seeds to produce what they say. I mean, it, it, it contains what's necessary for you to deposit into your heart to not only believe it, but see the fruit of it in your life. And here's what it says. I'm convinced nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels, demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. But yet, how many of us struggle with believing that God loves us? I mean, be honest with me today, and I'll be honest with you. There's times when I struggle to believe that God would love me. Yeah, even as a pastor. My God, you know, do, do you really love me? I messed up over here. I did this or I did that. And all my performance-related things in life that I'm looking to to gain God's acceptance I, I, are making me feel like, oh, God, God must be a little disappointed with me today. Honestly, have you ever felt that way? Give me a secret nod. Yeah, I kind of wonder, you know, it's kind of like God's love is sometimes it's really amped up. Sometimes it's like, you know, a little withholding, not really sure. And and your emotions are tied into this and your heart is tied into this. And you you begin to kind of wonder and day to day you seem to be on this roller coaster of, you know, does he really love me that much? And we go to scriptures like this in Romans, and please do, go back to that scripture often. But, but I want to give you some more ammo, okay? I want to give you some more solid evidence that the love that God has for you, and, and why is it important that it's love that he has for you? Well, let's look at this next verse. Really simple, and we all know this verse, okay? And we, we emphasize this verse. Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31 This is kind of the great commandment right here. Um, Jesus boiled down all the law and the prophets into this one statement. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And he says the second law, he was being quizzed by by an attorney, okay, that was trying to kind of trap him. He's like, what's the most important commandment? Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And get this, equally important. Equally important. In other words, there are two number one laws. It's not love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah, that's it. That's number one. And oh, by the way, kind of a distant number two, but yeah, still number two. No. Equally important is that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. No other commandment is greater than these. And see, a lot of times we place the emphasis on loving God and loving others, but we forget a very, very important part of that verse, and that is equally important is that we love ourselves. Let's just say it right now. Repeat after me. I love myself. Doesn't that feel a little weird? I love myself. Come on, let's say it loud and proud. I love myself. It seems strange, doesn't it? But yet, what do we have? These are the words of Jesus that we love others. How? How are we ever going to love others to a greater degree than we have received the love of God for ourselves? This is the most important piece of ammo I want to give you today. Because I know, I know in this room we struggle with believing in that love and loving ourselves. Sometimes we are our own worst enemies. I mean, you know, it's one thing to have the, the enemy, the devil, like kind of whispering in your ear and telling you that you're no good or you're not worth it or you messed up this time or you did that. But I think sometimes he's long left of the building and now your own conscience is just beating you up. I was kind of that kid where I was really, really hard on myself all the time. 
Even to this day, I, I struggle sometimes with beating myself up over stuff and not forgiving myself and letting myself go. But equally important is to that we're never going to love our neighbors, we're never going to love the world, we're never going to love the people around us to any higher degree than we love ourselves. That love for yourself and understanding how much you are loved by God will raise the water level of how much you can love others. And and this is what I want the church to do. If the church is going to fulfill its mission in the earth and, and we're going to be proof to the world that Jesus is the only hope of salvation. And I love your slogan, by the way, hope is here. Hope is here. I don't know, why didn't you put it on these things? You put pray first on that, which is another good thing. But today I've got my bracelet on, and and I'm remembering to pray first. Uh, But man, I love the hope is here. I believe if people come into this place, they're going to sense the presence of Jesus. They're going to feel the love of God. You're going to show them something different. And please, Invite your friends, invite your neighbors, bring people. I mean, I see, I see empty chairs here. Every one of those represent somebody who can come into this place and receive the love of God. We have the same situation uh, right down the road, and it's time for us to just focus on this one thing. See, we have trouble believing the love that God has for us. So I'm going to give you another piece of ammo, and I'll finish with this thought. Shortly before his death, Jesus is praying in the garden. His disciples are around him. And he starts praying prayers about oneness, that they may be one, even as you, Father, and I are one. And a lot of times we focus in that John 17 passage about the oneness that we need to have. Man, I appreciate the oneness that we have uh, with, with you guys, with Hope Church. I mean, Pastor Mike and I have become great friends. We're not in competition with one another, man. We are, we are wanting to serve this Mallard Creek community, this area, together and see more things that God has for us to do. I love the oneness part of Jesus' prayer. But that's not all he prayed that day. And I, I want to ask you just a really simple, no-brainer question. You're going to get the answer right, I guarantee it. Do you think Jesus' prayers get answered? I mean, come on. If anybody's prayers are going to get answered, Jesus' prayers are going to get answered, right? So I can put, well, actually, there's one prayer of Jesus' that, that didn't get answered. Do you remember when he's in the garden and he said, oh, Lord, if it's at all possible, take this cup from me. Take this cup of suffering from me. Nevertheless, what did he say? Not my will. Your will be done. Aren't you glad that prayer didn't get answered? <laughs> yeah. He submitted his prayers to the will of God. But in John 17, he prays something really, really, really interesting. And this is, I think, the most powerful ammo you can ever have in your life for believing that God loves you more than anything in this world. In John 17, 20, he makes this statement. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples. Okay, so Jesus just made kind of a qualifier in his prayer. He said, I'm not just praying for these within earshot of me, okay? The disciples, the ones that can hear me right now. I am not praying just for them. He said, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Can you just imagine for a while who he's talking about? Do you believe in Jesus ultimate through the message of those eyewitnesses? 
It got passed down through. Thank you. Some bold people here with, with hands raised. Let's all raise both hands and say, ah, uh, Jesus is praying for me. Right there, right now, Jesus is praying for me. I mean, literally in this prayer, you could insert your name. John chapter 17, I'm not praying only for these disciples. I'm praying for everyone who will believe on me through their word. And I say, okay, Lord, here am I. I believe on you through their word. Okay, now I'm really intrigued. Like, what did he pray? What did, because if anybody's prayers are going to get answered, right? Jesus' prayers are going to get answered. Oh my gosh, what did he pray? Because he's praying for me. Jesus is praying for me. Get excited about that today. Verse 23 that I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Wait, 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 wait. Can we repeat that, Jesus? Jesus, I'm sorry, I missed that. Can I I hear that prayer again? I pray, listen to the last part of that verse, that they will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I have no problem, zero problem, believing that God loves Jesus. None whatsoever. I know God loves Jesus. It's his son. But in this prayer today is your answer for those moments when you feel a weakness, a low level, that you're not worthy, and all the junk the world and the enemy and your own human conscience tries to bring into your life that you, for some reason, have done something to eradicate the love of God. And yet we have the prayer of Jesus asking the Father that we would believe that we are loved as much as He is. Would you say that with me today? God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Make it personal. Verse 26 goes on to say, I've revealed you to them, Father, and I will continue to do so. Then, not only do you love them as much as you love me, but your love for me will be in them. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the love of God. Let's kind of stop saying love of God. God doesn't just have love. God is love. Your decision to love, it is the decision to bring God on the scene. You want to start seeing God's power again? Man, let's start making a decision to love unconditionally. But it has to start with that equally important mandate that you love others as you love yourself. And today, I want you to be absolutely rock-solid confident that Jesus' prayer was answered by God. And I'm going to be an answer to God's prayer, and I'm going to believe that he loves me as much as he loves Jesus, despite what my past looks like, despite what my future looks like. See, that cross that Jesus died on over 2,000 years ago paid the penalty for past, present, and future sin. Sometimes we kind of exclude the future part, don't we? But you better hope it does because you were all future at that point. And sometimes we, well, you know, can, is grace really that, that good? Oh yeah, it's really that good. 
and it doesn't make me want to go see what I can get away with, man, it draws me to repentance. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, the goodness of God draws people to repentance. And sometimes we want to center in on the badness of hell or the fear of death or the destruction of sin. But grace says, no, your sin's nailed to that cross. Leave it there. And let's move on in the power of knowing that you are loved absolutely, unconditionally by the God of the universe who is love. Here's something else that is important to know. Jesus, at his baptism, and I'll finish with this. You remember he's baptized by John, right? Hadn't done any miracles up to that point. No, no real, like, Messiah proof had happened uh, up until that baptism. What happened at that baptism? It was put under the waters of baptism. The Bible said there appeared like as a dove. The Spirit came and rested upon him. But what else happened? You remember the voice from heaven that was heard? Heard by other people? And it was a father. It was his father saying, that's my kid. I'm super proud of him. I'm well pleased with my son. Now, here's the way it fits into your life. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't done anything or said anything outstanding. Yeah, he had the kind of like hints along the way, like when he was 12 years old with with the rabbis in the temple and, and whatnot. But, you know, people weren't really, really sure. See, God's pleased with you completely independent of your performance. We base our pleasure in our own lives and in other people's lives a lot of times based on their performance. I mean, we do this with our kids all the time. If they perform well, they get my good side, my grace. If they don't, man, I'm going to have to come down and hammer that. We're flawed parents, but God's not. And the Father says, that's my kid. That's my son. That's my daughter. I am well pleased with them. And that's the voice you need to listen to. Because if you're listening to the voice that says, I messed up again, I'm not worthy. If you're listening to the voice that says God's love is kind of, you know, hit or miss. And and hopefully today, I've given you some, some ammo, which I believe is the most important thing in your life is to believe that you are loved by God. I think this, this is my life mission is to revel and experience and, and take as much as I can of the love of God and give it away to every person I come in contact with. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, we come before you and we thank you for this opportunity just to gather together and hear about your goodness and your love for us. Man, Lord, we sometimes find it hard to believe that someone could love that much, but we're going to put aside our own thoughts, our own thinking, our own will, and we're going to accept your will today. And I just trust right now that every person in this room experiences your love to a greater degree. And they hear that voice from their father saying, hey, this is my kid. I'm really proud of him. I love him. They can't do anything to shake my love for them. And that 
voice will begin to pull us in the direction of our destiny and our future, pull us out of the old and bring us into the new and the glorious destiny that you have for us. And Lord, I just thank you for the glorious destiny that you have for Hope Church. I pray over this body and thank you that you are building something that the gates of hell will not prevail against, but you're building it on the foundation of your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with a song today and um, have an opportunity for you to come and receive communion. I would invite everyone to come and receive communion today. I'm going to to receive communion. I, I receive communion often. It's a celebration of what Jesus did for us and remembering the body broken for us, his blood poured out for us. Please come and celebrate communion today. Maybe there's an area of your life that you're holding on to that you need to go nail to the cross. And sometimes it's good to maybe write something down on a piece of paper and go just lay it at the cross. Crumple it up, smash it. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's something that you're struggling, you're dealing with. Go and write it down and leave it at the cross. Finally, if you're in this auditorium today and you're just really, really struggling to believe God's love for you, I want to pray for you. I'm going to be right down here in front and and I want to just pray for you. Maybe if it's an area of your past that you just can't get over, something that's going on in your life that makes my message today seem like a fairy tale. It's not. It's real. It's how God feels about you. And the Bible says, if any two or more are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I am there in the midst of them. Jesus is going to join me in a prayer for you today. And we're going to take care of whatever it is in your past that's holding you back so you can move forward. Please take advantage of that. There's others that are available to pray for you as well. But I want to say thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for letting me come and for letting Pastor Mike go and speak to my congregation. I can't wait to hear the hope that was imparted uh, at River Church today. I know Pastor Mike will bring a great word. But I want to say thank you for allowing me to come in into your home and to minister this to you today. God bless you.